your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, February 9th, 2021. I'll tell you right now, it does not feel like it's already the ninth day of February, but that's how these days go. Quick, fast, and in a hurry, Super Bowl just ended on Sunday. Valentine's Day right around the corner. I'm telling you, man, it's just like boom, 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 boom. These things keep on pushing. And again, officially into the NFL offseason, and we know the NFL, there's one thing we know about them in a major way, that it never, ever stops. They don't turn off. They don't go to sleep. They don't go to way to summer camp. They don't go on vacation. The NFL is a machine that keeps on giving. So each and every day we'll have something good to talk about here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast, whether it has to do exa- exclusively with the Raiders or just has to do with the NFL in general, but still can pertain to the Raiders. We'll have it here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. So with that being said, coming up in segment number three, I got your calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Didn't have any calls on Monday's show because I was talking to Brantley Wiseman or I played the interview that I did with Brantley Wiseman from the Draft Network and hopefully you enjoyed that conversation talking all things Henry Ruggs and kind of gave you a little bit of an idea of you know the issues that Henry Ruggs had in his uh, rookie year weren't 100% on him wasn't 100% on the team but it was really uh, a collective effort by both parties and so uh, both have to get a lot better if they're going to get the most out of their first uh, pick draft pick in 2020 their number 12 overall pick got to get more out of them than what they got from him his rookie year so it should be interesting to see what the guys do if they get into the lab I saw videos of Henry Ruggs already working out and trying to get in shape and get a little bit stronger and that's part of what he needs to do to be a better player moving forward so we'll see what he does what he comes back with I will say this real quick I saw on Twitter folks talking about a Raider doing music videos, and I'm assuming it's either like Damon Arnett or something. Or and I know Darren Waller is heavily involved in in music, but you know I saw saw Raider Cody talking about are we drafting people to do music videos or drafting people to play football? And no shade throwing his direction, but that's nothing for us to worry about. If a guy's doing a music video, he could do a music video as long as when push comes to shove, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing on the football field. And then he didn't point out who he was talking about. So if you're talking about like a guy like Damon Arnett you know, hey, that's that's his responsibility. He's going to have to go out there and put the work in, you know, and if he doesn't put the work in, then, hey, that's on him. But, you know, for any any of us to come out and criticize someone else for doing something else is not really our place. And and then, like I said, not to not to even mention who it was. It's kind of like you're trying to low key throw shade on the under without saying their name so you don't get embarrassed if they come back at you like it's I mean, it is what it is. You know what I mean? If a guy is doing a music video in the offseason, uh, a day after the Super Bowl or a couple days after the Super Bowl, that's fine. You know, these guys get time off too. But, you know, like I said, uh, he's going to have to get into the lab or whoever it is is going to have to get into the lab and do the work and put in the work for them to be a successful football player. And if it's Damon Arnett that he's talking about, and it very well could be, then, hey, you know, Mike Mayock's already called him out before. So he's he's really uh, got to figure out what he wants to do. Does he want to be a musician or does he want to be a, a football player? And so, I mean, it is what it is, but I don't think that a guy doing a music video in early February is a big deal, but 
Either way, I saw it and just thought I, w- I would speak on it. So anyway, uh, coming up in segment number two, going to talk about the biggest takeaways that I saw from Super Bowl Sunday, Tampa Bay getting the big win over the Chiefs. What I saw that could pertain to the Raiders moving forward and how the Raiders can find themselves back up on that that stage. Just like I said, my biggest takeaways, like five or six takeaways I had. I'll give you some examples of what I mean, but we'll, like I said, we'll do that in segment number two. Here in segment number one, give you the news and the notes of the day, as I always do. I think the biggest piece of news that came out Monday that had to do with the Raiders was a report, and this kind of goes with the report that I talked about on Monday's show when uh, Albert Breer from Monday Morning Quarterback said the Patriots are looking at Marcus Mariota. Well, he doubled down and put out another report, and then Bleacher Report put out a report saying the Raiders may trade a quarterback this offseason, but it reportedly will not be Derek Carr. And then it says Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, wrote Monday there were rumors floating around that the asking price for Carr was two first-round picks last week. He was told emphatically Carr is not available. Uh, however, Breer reported the Raiders are willing to listen to offers for backup signal caller Marcus Mariota, which, again, makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, I haven't really been on board with the whole thing that Carr is going to be on his way out. And uh, regardless of what the reports say, and, and I know Vinny had his report, and I'm sure there's been teams that have called. I'm sure teams like the Bears are called and, and are interested in Derek Carr. But I just can't see. And, and I just, until it actually were to happen, I can't see John Gruden moving on from Derek Carr, a guy who knows his system really well, knows what he expects on the field, and could execute it, knowing that his system is not the easiest to, to pick up, you know, quick, fast, and in a hurry. I just can't see some new dude coming in there, uh, unless they're just, you know, a real deal, like an Aaron Rodgers type guy. Um, you know, maybe Matt Stafford would have been okay. Not saying Deshaun Watson couldn't do it, but again, the system is just so much different than what he was running in Houston. So uh, anyway, it, it is what it is. This, does this mean that Derek Carr, the conversation will go away 100%? No, not at all. It just says that there, somebody within the Raiders organization has denied his availability. So that, that news came out on Monday afternoon and thought it was, you know, kind of important. Again, it kind of looks like Marcus Mar- it will probably be the, the odd man out. And, and like I said on Monday, if they could turn that into a third-round pick, if they could turn Marcus Mariota, who did not do very much for the Raiders at all in 2020, but playing one game because he was forced into action when Derek Carr went down, they could flip that and turn that into a third-round pick, then they're, do, they're doing something well. That's, that's cooking with grease, like I like to say. So uh, that's the latest and the greatest as far as that goes. Still waiting on the Carson Wentz moves to see what happens with him. And uh, then the, the quarterback carousel could really start cooking. But uh, as of right now, according to someone inside the Raiders organization, Derek Carr is not uh, available via trade. So, again, not something I thought was a big deal or something that uh, I'm surprised by, but just worth noting. Also, when it comes to the Raiders, and this is something I should have talked about on Monday's show, as a matter of fact, uh, superfan Wayne Mabry, a.k.a. The Violator, he is being inducted into the Ford Hall of Fans, and he's going to be at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in August. That's going to be exciting. Uh, the little write-up says The Violator is being inducted into the Ford uh, Hall of Fans at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Raiders superfan Wayne Mabry is a 37-year season ticket holder. He also served as an ambassador for the team. Mabry dedicates his time to feeding veterans and lending a hand to kids battling cancer, autism, and cerebral palsy. The Violator and two other fans will have a display inside the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio in August. That's really, really cool. Violator's a great dude. He's a great representation of the Raiders fan base. Uh, he's always been uh, very, you know, loud and proud, silver and black. So shout out to the Violator. I've already reached out to him. Uh, so when he gets back from Tampa, he said he was going to hit me up. So I'll probably have him on the podcast, if not this week, sometime next week. But uh, I've already been in contact with the Violator. So you'll hear him and get his thoughts on, you know, being inducted into the Ford Hall of Fans. I mean, that's, that's a big deal, man. There's a lot of fans out there. But just to know that you've been separated in a major way like that, I think is really stinking cool. So we'll get, we'll get the Violator's thoughts on the show at some point, like I said, either this week or uh, early next week. 
And then there was one very interesting note that came from the NFL uh, on Monday, and that was the fact that Patrick Peterson and the Cardinals are going to part ways. This according to Matt Verderam from the fans from Fansided. Uh, he's a good dude. He tweeted out, barring a significant change in stances, Patrick Peterson and the Arizona Cardinals plan on parting ways, making Peterson an unrestricted free agent, according to sources. Uh, Patrick Peterson played in 16 games in 2020, had eight passes defense and three interceptions, has 28 career INTs. This season was Patrick's final year on a five-year, $70 million extension that he signed July in 2014. Uh, he had two years left on his deal when he signed that extension, and so uh, it is run out now. At the end of 2020, it is running out, and, and somehow, unless something changes uh, kind of crazy, he'll be an uh, unrestricted free agent, free to sign with any team. And we've talked about it on this podcast multiple times about Richard Sherman possibly being that veteran at the corner position I would have no problem with a 30 year old Patrick Peterson uh, at all I would have no problem with that he's a he's a real deal player uh, I know he got busted for some PEDs a year ago or so but uh, I think that this dude's a real deal guy he's been a pros pro ever since he came out of LSU uh, and worth all the money that he's received in his career and still as you see what he was able to do in 2020 16 games played eight passes defense and three interceptions and just that veteran presence that's been there done that knows how to get it done I would definitely have no problem with Patrick Peterson being a guy that the Raiders looked at. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to. I'm just saying I'd have no problem if they did look at him. I still would have no problem if they brought in Richard Sherman. I think both of those guys uh, could be good veteran presence. Patrick Peterson's a little bit uh, younger and hasn't dealt with as many serious injuries like Richard Sherman has, but either way, man, both two very good veterans that could help the young secondary of the Raiders grow in this Gus Bradley scheme. I'd be okay with it. So that's all I really got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, what the Bucks Super Bowl victory showed me and how that pertains to the Raiders. That's all coming up in segment number two. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. And even though the Super Bowl is over, you still have college basketball. You still got the NBA. Baseball's right around the corner. You got UFC action. You've got hockey action. You've got all kinds of sports that you can place bets on. And betonline.ag is the place that has you covered. If you do not have an account, that's okay. You can open up a free one today at betonline.ag. When you make your first deposit, if you use the promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus just like that so you put 100 in you're gonna have 150 dollars to play with it's that simple betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts if you're on social media you could definitely check them out at betonline underscore ag take advantage of the best bonuses in the business sign up for that free account today and use the promo code locked on for your sign up bonus that's at betonline.ag segment number two it's on the way your locked on raiders your daily podcast on the las vegas raiders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to talk about the Super Bowl, what I saw from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and how that pertains to the Raiders. And I know you're probably saying, like, well, Q, it's a couple days after the Super Bowl now. I just had to let it soak into my brain and really just kind of realize exactly what I witnessed from Tampa Bay on Sunday. And uh, I mentioned it briefly at the beginning of Monday's show, just a 31 to nine whooping, uh, Devin White, Levante, David, uh, Nadamika Sue, uh, JPP, Shaq Barrett, you know, Vita Vea, all, all these cats, man, they were outstanding for, uh, for Tampa Bay defensively. And so just really kind of wanted to, to sit on it for a little while, think about it. Plus, I had that interview that I wanted to run anyway that I had already done with Brentley Wiseman from DraftNetwork.com. So I figured, hey, you know what? I, I could talk about it a day later. So here we are. And I was just like five or six little notes that I that I jotted down as as 
keys to what I saw from Tampa Bay on, on Sunday. And obviously them beating Kansas City and Kansas City being the AFC West, the team that the Raiders are going to have to find a way to get over that hump, whether it's just make the playoffs by way of wild card or even win the division. Either way, you're going to have Kansas City sitting in front of you uh, for a while, you know. And, and I saw a lot of people and a lot of people have been just crowning Kansas City as, you know, they're about to go on this dynasty and have seven or eight uh, Super Bowl wins. And, you know, so many people even talked about Patrick Mahomes. Oh, he's going to, you know, he'll, he'll pass Tom Brady one day. Like, it's hard to win Super Bowls, man. It's really, really hard. Uh, yes, he won the first Super Bowl they were in. Uh, but you see, he really should have been in three Super Bowls now. He's only been in two. It's hard to get to the Super Bowl, and it's very hard to win them. So uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to crown him already that he's going to be this guy that's going to make this super long run. You just don't know how a guy's career is going to shake out. You don't know what guys are going to come and go from the team. You don't know if the coach is going to be there for a long time. You just really have no idea. So it's kind of hard to sit here and say, oh, this guy's going to go and win six or seven more Super Bowls when he's only won one. So, uh, I mean, it is what it is. What Tom Brady's been able to do is not something that every guy that enters the league that looks like they're going to be a, a hot shot for a long time can do. It just it wears out really, really quickly. I mean, think about Drew Brees. He's a Hall of Famer, right? How many Super Bowls did he win? One. <laughs> think about Aaron Rodgers. Big time Hall of Famer. How many did he win? One. I mean, you know, it's just it's just so difficult to make that happen. But anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about right now. I just want to talk about what I saw from Tampa Bay, how it pertains to the Raiders, and how I think the Raiders could kind of cherry-pick some of the things that that we all witnessed and we all saw from Tampa Bay, and in particular that defense on Sunday against Kansas City. And the first point I have is the old adage, and a lot of people don't like to hear it, defense does win championships. It absolutely does. You know, Now, you have to have a lot of things go right, but the pass rush, both from the edge and and maybe more importantly, up the gut. Have some quality defensive tackles. Vita Vea was an absolute monster when he was in there. And I don't know how many snaps he played. I, I forget the exact number he played. But every snap he was in there, he was dominant. You know, and, and he just made it so much more difficult and, and made Patrick Mahomes have less options when it came to escape routes. You know what I mean? And then you have a guy like Shaq Barrett screaming in off the edge. You had JPP screaming in off the other edge. I mean, it was it was a, it was a thing of beauty for what Todd Bowles was able to do with that defensive line. And the thing about it is, and this is another one of my points, they were getting home with the front four. Getting home with the front four is a must. And Gus Bradley, who's the new defensive coordinator for the Raiders, that's what he does. He's expecting the front four to get home. Whenever you blitz, you're taking a chance. You, you blitz, you're leaving someone out on the island, you're sitting someone up for a failure if you don't get home. So, And I think Patrick Mahomes prefers you just to go ahead and blitz and leave some of his uh, hot routes open, you know, and then he can just get the ball out of his hands really quickly. Todd Bowles was able to get his guys to get home with the front four, which allowed everyone else to drop in coverage and do what they had to do. And while they were dropping in coverage, they had speed on the outside and then the strength right up the middle. Basic football. Basic football, speed on the outside with your corners and strength up the middle. So you got your guys uh, up the middle as far as the D tackles go, and you also have your speed and strength at the linebacking position. Devin White, again, monster. Levante David, monster. Those dudes were sideline to sideline with extreme speed where they could diagnose, they could break down a play, and especially Devin White. That dude was getting through the line of scrimmage and getting through block blockers and getting through the wash and, and getting to the, the, the ball carrier and making their day miserable. Devin White was all over the field. That's why I picked him as the MVP of the game. I thought he was going to uh, have a chance to be that guy. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady throwing the three touchdown passes. That eliminated that. But I went into the game saying Devin White was going to be the MVP for that exact reason. So another point right there. Linebackers must have that speed to go sideline to sideline, diagnose that play, shed the blocks, and make the play like Devin White and Levante David. So I, I pose this question. Can Corey Littleton be that guy? Does he have that speed? 
I don't know if he has that speed. From what I saw, his one year with the Raiders so far, he's not that fast. But he also could not be that fast because he was thinking. And we all know a thinking man is a slow man. I've been saying that for a very, very long time. Corey Littleton was clearly thinking. So can Gus Bradley make it so he doesn't think and he just goes out and plays? Or does he not have that speed? Because if they don't have that speed, if he doesn't have that speed, they need a guy that has that speed. And that's why I look at, you know, the upcoming draft and sitting at number 17. And I don't want to, you know, get too out in front of myself. I know it's only early February, but many people have mocked Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa out of Notre Dame to the Raiders, the linebacker at 17. I would absolutely have no problem with that. I think he's a guy that could be that alpha dog dude. He can have that speed sideline to sideline. Uh, he could drop in coverage if he has to. He could do a lot of things that Devin White is doing. Now, I'm not saying he's Devin White because there's only one Devin White, but man, he could be that dude. And, and the other thing, a little, little funny side note, I remember doing the, the little mock draft here on the Locked On uh, NFL Podcast Network. You know, we were, we were doing those mock drafts. Every one of us, every one of the hosts, we made our picks. And I remember I picked Devin White at number four uh, because I wanted Quentin Williams and someone else had taken Quentin Williams. So I said, all right, I'll go with Devin White and that'll be a real good upgrade to the, to the linebacking position. And I don't know how many people called the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line and ripped me saying, you don't pick a linebacker that high. You don't pick a linebacker that high. You don't need a good linebacker in Paul Gunther's scheme. You don't need this and you don't need that. My one argument was, okay, Tampa Bay is going to take him at number five if the Raiders don't take him at number four. Well, Tampa Bay took him at number five and he's a Super Bowl winner today. And I'm not saying that he would have been the same impact player with the Raiders because Paulie G was still going to be, uh, you know, coaching him up. But it was just so funny how many people ripped me for saying that Devin White would have been a good selection at four. And then all of a sudden, all I'm seeing now is people saying, uh, Devin White should have been a Raider. Devin White should have been a Raider. And it's like, wait a minute, hold on. Where was this noise and this energy when I pointed that out before the draft ever started? And that was only by default. Because again, I wanted Quentin Williams. Not going to lie to you. Quentin Williams was option A. Devin White was option B to me. Uh, Clee Farrell wasn't on, on my radar at number four. But hey, I mean, it is what it is. They went with, uh, you know, Clee and Tampa Bay got Devin White. And again, Devin White is a Super Bowl champ. Uh, another key, another thing that uh, stood out to me in a major way, teams need two real deal running backs. That's a good thing. Two guys that can be starters. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rojo, got the speed. He's got the quickness. You know, he's got the breakaway speed. And then they had Leonard Fournette, another guy that I kind of pounded the table for when Jacksonville made him available. Leonard Fournette, he was the guy that Jacksonville expected him to, to, to be when they drafted him. That's how he played with Tampa Bay. He really was a difference maker. He also could have been the MVP as far as I'm concerned in the game on, uh, on Sunday against Kansas City. I mean, he had the strength and Rojo had the, the, the speed. I do believe the Raiders still need a compliment, a better compliment than even Devontae Booker. They need a real deal. If they were out to go out and draft and go get Najee Harris, fine, cool. I don't know when you grab him. If you can get him in round two, great. That would be a great, great, in my opinion, compliment to Josh Jacobs. But I think that teams need to have two real deal guys that they can count on and trust and know that when one guy goes out, it is not a drop off at all. That's what Rojo and Leonard Fournette were. They were two starting running backs that were out there splitting carries. And you saw see that they never missed a beat. And matter of fact, I think uh, Tampa Bay scores another touchdown if, if they have uh, Leonard Fournette in there down by the goal line instead of Rojo. I think that Leonard Fournette would have pounded that ball in there uh, when they got stopped on third and fourth down. But either way, they still put up 31 points and 131 to nine. So I think it worked out just okay. Now, this is probably the most important factor of what Tampa Bay had that the Raiders don't have, in my opinion. And that's at least one guy in the locker room that makes everyone better and commands the room. I don't think that the Raiders have a guy in the locker room that makes everyone better. A guy who can command the room. I saw someone tweet at me because uh, I said this on Raider Nation Radio 920 on Monday and said, hey, who do the Raiders have? And a guy said, yeah, you know, the Ravens had, 
they had uh, Ray Lewis. Instead of it being their quarterback, it wasn't Joe Flacco, it was Ray Lewis. And they're right. Ray Lewis made everybody better around him. Regardless of what you think about Ray Lewis off the field, he made everybody on the field better than him. So I'm not throwing shade at Derek Carr and saying, oh, Derek Carr has to be the one guy in the locker room that makes everyone better. But the Raiders need somebody. They need, and that's the most important thing. Out of everything that I just talked about, defense winning championships, speed on the outside, strength up the middle, the front four getting home, linebackers, speed to speed, sideline to sideline, real deal running backs. The most important thing is this last one, which is a guy in the locker room that makes everyone better and can command the room. That's what the Raiders need. They need it in a major, major way. And this has nothing to do with what Nelson Aguilar was talking about or all the fallout from Nelson Aguilar uh, getting upset in the locker room. That happens all the time. But who is the guy who walks into the Raiders locker room and says, okay, everybody steps their game up now because I'm here. And he doesn't even have to say it, but you just know. Honestly, there was a lot of conversation last summer about Brady joining the Raiders, and I didn't think it was a real deal possibility. And you see only really the Chargers and Tampa Bay were really in on him, and he knew where he was going to begin with. He was going to Tampa Bay. He wasn't going anywhere else. But maybe that's the reason why John Gruden was was thinking about and had Tom Brady on the mind because he knew that he at least elevated everybody else in that locker room. So they just need to find a guy. If it's going to be the quarterback, let it be the quarterback. If it's going to be a linebacker, let it be a linebacker. If it's going to be a DB, let it be a DB. It's got to be somebody. I don't know who it is. I've talked about Alpha Dogs plenty of times. You know, I see more and more people talking about them all the time now. But the Raiders need one dude, at least one dude in the locker room that's going to make everyone better. That's what Tom Brady did the minute he went to Tampa Bay. He made everyone better. The janitor, the guys that, uh, you know, that, that keep the field, the maintenance men. You know, I mean, the, the, the guys at the ticket booth. I mean, everyone became better around the area when Tom Brady got there. It was just and you want to talk about commitment to excellence. That's what he had. He had a commitment to excellence and the whole team bought in every single one of them. Everyone who was a big factor in Tampa Bay winning that game against Kansas City on Sunday, Super Bowl 55. Most of those guys weren't even on the team the year before. Tom Brady. Nope. Rob Gronkowski. Nope. Leonard Fournette. Nope. Antonio Brown. Nope. I mean, think about that. A lot of the production came from guys who weren't even on the team. The Raiders need to find that guy. Where is it going to be? Where is it going to come from? Where does that difference maker come from? How do you go find that guy? And I'll I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't know who that guy is. But I can tell you right now, I can look up and down the Raiders roster and know that it's not on the squad right now. That is the glue that needs to tie everything that the Raiders have. Yeah, they have a bunch of young talent. So be it. Yeah, they could bring in some veterans that are been there, done that, a Richard Sherman, a Patrick Peterson, but do they immediately upgrade the whole team? I don't know if they're that guy either. So who can they find? Can they go draft a guy who makes the, the whole room better? I don't know. That's a tough question. So I, I throw it out there without having the answer to it. And I don't like doing that, but it's a real deal truth. And that's just how I roll. It's all the truth all the time. Who makes everyone better in that locker room? 707-654-4693. If you got the answer to that, please let me know. Or even better, if you know who the Raiders could go get. If you have your mind on someone that the Raiders could go and make a move for that's going to make everybody better, please let me know about it. Your calls and texts, they're coming up next in segment number three. Before I get in that, though, I do want to tell you about a great sponsor here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast, which is rockauto.com. They're a family business. They're serving auto park customers online for 20 years. You want to find them, go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and they got everything. They got engine parts. They got brake parts. They got tail lamps. They got motor oil. They got new carpet. 
doesn't matter if your car is a, a car that you drive every single day, the kids to school, go get groceries, go to work, whatever, or it's something that you roll out on Sunday and you're just trying to fix it up. Uh, I saw a car actually on the way home from work on Monday night, and uh, it was a nice, long stretch. It wasn't a caddy, but you could tell it was old school, right? And you could just see it was on the it was on the back of a, of a bed, like uh, not of a tow truck bed, but just of a bed. So you could tell that it was one of those cars that, that it don't get too much uh, highway miles. You know what I mean? It's one of those that, that if they're going to transport it, they're going to put it on the bed and then transport it. They're not driving it all around town. They're not trying to get it scratched up. They're not trying to get it messed up. But you could tell, man, they put a lot of work into that car. Well, a lot of those parts that they got were probably from rockauto.com because the, the catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your vehicle. You can choose the brand specifications and most importantly, the prices you prefer. That's right. The prices at rockauto.com are always super low and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So there's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. While you're there, the only thing I asked you to do in a little box that said, how'd you hear about us? You write Locked On Raiders podcast and that's how they know that I sent you. It means that, hey, Q's doing his job. Great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need, all from rockauto.com. Segment number three is on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's go ahead and start things off with a text. And before we get to that text... Sound the alarm one time because this text is coming from a new booty. This text is coming from Exclusive Raider from West Texas. It says, hey, Q, Exclusive Raider from West Texas. Been listening to the podcast for a few years. First time chiming in. Here to talk about the car rumors. First off, Carr's my quarterback. He's passionate and, to me, an above-average quarterback. Second, if they do get rid of him, two ones is kind of selling short considering what Stafford was worth. I'd take Carr over Stafford any day and twice on Sundays. Like we've all pretty much said, Carr isn't the problem here. No need to move on from him. Just my thoughts. Peace out, nation. That's from Exclusive Raider out of West Texas. Thank you for that text, my man. Appreciate you chiming in. And, uh, yeah, I don't think, and I know that the Raiders came out with that report, or the report came out on Monday saying that Carr is not available. Uh, I never really bought into the Carr was available. I know a lot of people got hyped and talked about Deshaun Watson as a possibility. I know Aaron Rodgers was floated out there for a quick minute. I mean, there was a few different options, but I just think that this is something that Raider Nation needs to get used to. It's going to be pretty much a, a yearly affair where uh, Derek Carr's name is in the rumor mill, but I, I never thought that that was going to be the case. I've made it known multiple times that if they're going to go out there and get a player, they need to go out there and make a trade for a big-time defensive player. And if, if that's what they do, then that's what they do. You know, that, that's what you need to do. If, if you're going to make a move, make a move for a big-time defensive player uh, to help shore up that D. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Don't think that Carr is going anywhere. If anything, like we've been talking about the past couple of days, it'll be Marcus Mariota who's on his way out of there instead of, uh, instead of Derek Carr. Thank you so much for that text. Appreciate you. Next up is a call from Cisco in the 661. He's calling to ask what I would give up for Watson if, indeed, I was a GM and trying to acquire him. But – I'll let him explain what he's talking about. Here he is, Cisco in the 661. Yo, what's up, Q? Raider Nation. It's uh, Cisco in the 661. Just wanted to give a quick call. Uh, real quick, you mentioned the drink Cisco last time I called. Never heard of it, man. Never had it. I looked it up, and it does look pretty interesting. So I just thought that was funny. Um, just want to get your two cents in on what you think, in your own opinion, on what you would give up for Watson. You know, if we were to trade for him, if you are a GM, what's the most you'd be willing to give up? Um, yeah, so just let me know your opinion. My quick little two cents is after thinking about it, you know, I'm a big car guy. I think he's good enough to lead us to the Super Bowl. 
But long-term wise, Watson is a stud, man. He's bona fide superstar. And players uh, of his caliber don't ever become available, especially in the quarterback market. You only get guys like that if you draft them. They're never up for trade. They're never free agents very rarely. So I'd be willing to give up four first rounds. No, it sounds like a lot. But, you know, hopefully we could trade Carr for two. So in reality, it's only like two first-round picks. We brought Mike Mayock in to be a draft guru. So let's say he doesn't have first-round picks for the first two years. We brought him in to be a specialty and bring us a draft class that's good enough to bring starter, starters in for us to come play and contribute. So even if he doesn't have his first-round picks, that's what we brought him in here for, to have one through seven rounds of good players, not just to nail the first round. So I think draft-wise, that's what we brought him in for, and I think he could do fine. I don't think losing our first rounds would hurt our, our draft classes for, for a couple of years. Uh, Mahomes is elite. Justin Herbert has elite potential. We need someone that's just as good or as good with them. And Watson's elite, man. We'd have him for the next 10 years and be ready to battle it out in that division. So, yeah, those are just my thoughts. I, at the end of the day, I do think we should make a move for him. Uh, let me know what you think and just win, baby. Cisco out to 661. Thanks for the call, my man. And a uh, real tough question. You know, honestly, and this is what I said, even though I don't think that, like I said, Carr is going to be on his way out and I don't think that they're going to get Deshaun Watson. But I'll tell you right now, I would not be comfortable trying to trade Carr somewhere else to get extra draft capital and then flip that to Houston in efforts to get Watson. Like, you're expecting way too many things to go right if that's what you're going to do. I, I just, I, if anything, if, if there was going to be a trade to be made, and I don't think there is, I'd want to make it a, a direct swap. So I was sure I'd get him. So, you know, I'm thinking Carr, two ones, Damon Arnett, Trent Brown, whatever. You know what I mean? It would have to be at least Carr and two ones. And then you want to add either Damon Arnett or Trent Brown. They'd probably take Trent Brown because their offensive line is not very good. And I don't think Trent Brown's going to be back with the Raiders anyway. But that would kind of be where I would, would go with it. And I'm sure that Houston would want even more than that. And they would probably have to give up a little bit more than that. But... Uh, like I said, and like I've said multiple times, don't think Derek Carr is going anywhere anyway. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Uh, next up is a text from Raider Black from Maryland. What up, Q? Raider Black from Maryland. Now that that embarrassment of a Super Bowl is over, time to focus on the silver and black. A lot of talk has been made about making a trade for defensive help. I'm with that. I think once we clear cast space, we can sign guys like Marcus May and Leonard Williams. But trading draft capital for a Gilmore, Dupree, or Barnett, if not released, Hunter, or a vet like Chandler Jones, that's immediate return instead of hoping a draft pick works out. Watching 45 in the Super Bowl makes me wish we took him instead of 96. So, yeah, make that big trade. Hell, include Big Trent to sweeten the deal to get that alpha dog that you covered. That's from Raider Black from Maryland. And that's what I'm talking about. If you're going to make a big trade, make it for a big-time de defensive player that's going to make an immediate impact. You know what you're going to get. A Chandler Jones out of uh, Arizona, that would be awesome. I just think he's a hell of a player. That would be a, a great addition on that defensive line. Uh, Marcus May on the back end at the safety position, great addition. Leonard Williams, I've been on record of saying that I think he'd be a, a great addition to that defensive line as well. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's multiple guys you can go on out there and get. You know, you really could. Gilmore, I don't think I'd waste too much draft capital on him, and I, I don't like to say waste because it makes it sound like he's a wash, but he's not. I just know he's a little bit older and probably wants a contract extension too. I, I'd probably rather at this point maybe make a move for uh, Patrick Peterson or Richard Sherman and just see if I can get him on a little bit of a cheaper deal, if that makes any sense. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm with you on that. Instead of everyone focusing on trading the quarterback – 
trade a guy on defense or trade for a guy on defense that could be a difference maker. Or like I always say, a damn alpha dog. That is exactly what the Raiders need, and that's what I'm hoping that they go out and get. If you want to do one thing for me this offseason, Raiders, go get your damn alpha dog, man. Simple as that. So funny, man. I mentioned alpha dogs around the house so much that my kids think I'm going to get a dog here at the house. I ain't getting no dog, man. I'm talking about a, a, a player. But every time they hear me say alpha dog, they're thinking, oh, my God, he's thinking about getting a dog. No, no, no. We don't need no dogs. The team. Talking about the team here. It's focus. But you know, you know how it goes down. So anyway, yes, go get that damn alpha dog straight up. Next up, we got a call from Mikey the Barber in the 916 Sacramento, California. He's calling in to talk about how happy he is that the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl. Here he is, Mikey the Barber. Yeah, Mikey the Barber is calling to say how happy I am that the Queefs lost the Super Bowl. I mean, it doesn't make it any better that Tom Brady won his seventh ring. But damn, dude, the dude is... He's a he's a he's a winner, man. Like the motherfucker wins all the time. So whatever. I'd rather Tom Terrific have a, a Super Bowl ring, another add to the collection, than to have Trick Go Holmes have his second ring, and then have the Queefs have the same amount of rings as the Raiders. Nah, can't have that. Come on, man. No, 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 no. I even put. $100 on the Chiefs to win the game just so that I could not be as mad if they did win the game, man. I, my jinx are undefeated. Anyways, Raider Nation, till I die. Bye. There he goes. That's Mikey the Barber delivering his message like only Mikey the Barber can do. I think a lot of Raider fans felt the same way that you did. Uh, definitely didn't want to see Kansas City get that win. I picked the Bucks to win. I just thought the defense was really good. Now, I didn't think that they were that good. I didn't think they were going to do what they did to Patrick Mahomes and company, but I did think they were the difference maker. So, that, uh, yeah, they were, they were on a whole nother level on Sunday, man. They came out there and played with a purpose. So uh, thank you so much for that call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Now I got a pretty lengthy text here from Obi-Wan Raider calling or texting out of Spring, Texas. He said, I had to hit him up like Tupac, Q. What's up? It's Obi-Wan Raider chiming in from Texas. Had to send this to the Chiefs. From all those Queefs fans that were talking blank, at least the Raiders still have a few things you don't have. One, still more Super Bowl trophies than you. Two, scored more points against the Buckies than you. Three, our quarterback had a higher passer rating. Four, thanks for totally erasing that bad. Callahan aided Super Bowl victory the Buckies got on our Raiders. I mean, blank. You didn't even score double-digit points. Five, hey, Kelsey, what was that about trash teams thinking beating you guys was their Super Bowl? Well, newsflash, this is your Super Bowl. Uh, KC, just choke, baby. I know you can make it radio-friendly, LOL. Love, peace, and chicken grease. That is from Obi-Wan Raider, Texan out of Spring, Texas. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all your points are, are valid. Uh, ultimately, they were in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they were there, you know. Uh, I would have loved to see the Raiders make it to the playoffs and see what they can do once they get there. But they had that late season collapse, man, and they just they can't have that. Unlike Tampa Bay, they regressed as the season went along. Tampa Bay got better as the season went along. The Raiders got to find a way to peak at the right time, not 10 games in. They got to be peaking around week 16, 17, first week of the playoffs. That's when they really got to be peaking and play their best ball. That's what John Gruden and company need to figure out how to do. So thank you so much for that text. Next up, got a call from Sean in Salt Lake City. He's calling in to talk about the three great things that happened to him over the weekend and explains what he thinks is a major factor folks aren't talking about in the game. Here he is, Sean in Salt Lake City. Hey, yo, Q. Raider Nation. It's Sean from Salt Lake City. Um, just calling in after letting everything the weekend that I had kind of soak in on this Monday, my Monday drive home. Um, three great things happened. One, on Saturday morning, I found out that I'm having a baby boy due in July. It's my first son, which I'm excited for. 
Um, two, um, Charles Woodson, uh, I think got officially stuck to the Hall of Fame, um, and who was my favorite player of all time. And then number three, watching the Chiefs get humiliated on in the Super Bowl was phenomenal. Um, anyways, as I'm going through reading articles, listening to podcasts, sports radio, locally and as well as radio Nation radio, um, it's interesting how they, a point that I brought up to the people I was watching with, um, the importance of coaching and how they're like, oh, well, Mahomes is limping. He must be hurt. I'm like, okay, I don't care. He just, oh, lines out. That must suck. Yeah, and as a Raiders fan, I get that. Like, it, it really hurts. But at the same time, Gruden for, sorry, for um, putting Witten in over Moreau. Witten's, Witten was basically a, a third tackle, right? He understood that he had issues at tackle with Trent Brown being out, and it worked, right? Eddie Reed did not do that. They did chip block. I know Clyde Edwards Lair is probably not the biggest, best guy to block, or even Daryl Williams, but still, I don't think he even attempted it. He literally put Mahomes on an island to get his butt wrecked the entire freaking game. I mean, the offense is makeshift, sure, I get that. But at the same time, you got to help them, especially when the box is, like, empty. And I, I say all this because it brings hope to Gus Bradley. I know it's a weird tie-in, but what crazy what coaching can do. I mean, Eddie Reed's a phenomenal coach. It's a phenomenal talent. Poor coaching, they got their butt kicked. Gus Bradley, we're hoping, has a great scheme, and all, the, all of his old defensive players love him. So let's say he ends up being a good coach. We have average players. He's going to get average to good production, which is better than what we've had. And as we just start to build this defense, hopefully through free agency, get some big-name players, trade some draft picks, get some even bigger-name players, it can mean something. Um, I don't know. I just, I really hope we're there next year, soon, whatever. I'm sick and tired of being the guy at the Raider jersey on at a Super Bowl when the Raiders aren't there. But either way, um, it was a good weekend. I'm very grateful to have a son. Pumped for Woodson. I'm pumped Chiefs on their advocates. There he goes right there, Sean in Salt Lake City. And congrats on your baby boy on the way. That's awesome. C. Wood in the hall. Flores in the hall. And, of course, Kansas City losing is a quality weekend for sure. Uh, your point on coaching is huge, man. Coaches hit the right button and, and they have the right game plan. They come out looking like Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, and Byron Leftwich look. If not, then you end up looking like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. I mean, could you imagine if the coaching carousel, the hiring of coaches started today or started on, on Monday uh, following the, you know, following the Super Bowl as opposed to right after the regular season ended and everyone started firing coaches? Who would be the hottest coordinators right now? Well, Bruce Arians obviously still a head coach, but Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich would be the two hottest names going. There'd be teams fighting to try to get their services, you know, but unfortunately, all the hiring's already been done. But yeah, man, right now, they're the hottest things going, and Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid are stuck there uh, in Kansas City kind of looking around at each other wondering, wait, what, what just happened? Even Andy Reid, I heard him uh, on a Zoom call, one of press conferences on Monday, saying, I had no idea it was going to be like this. I did not expect that this was going to happen. I expected us to go out there and play our ball. I didn't think that we were going to get punched in the mouth like that. I mean, that's, that's from the head coach himself. He did not expect that outcome in the game I mean a lot of times you go into the game you're like okay this is going to be difficult because of this that and the other but they just thought they were going to go in there and just play Kansas City football and put up 31 35 points and call it a day hoist another Lombardi and head back to Kansas City smelling like roses well <laughs> Tampa Bay had another story for him had another subject like uh not gonna happen so uh yeah good call right there my man uh coaching is a major major factor and in Kansas City uh they they normally have a really good coaching game plan going uh for one reason or the other they did not and like I said Bruce Arian Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich they all 
They were cooking with grease in a major, major way. So thank you so much for that call. Uh, still got a text from D from Connecticut. Got a call from Valley Boy Raider in the 818. Raider Raider in the 303. Don't have time to get to him on today's show, but we'll definitely make sure that that happens on tomorrow's show. So uh, thank you, Raider Nation, for all the feedback on the Locked On Raider Podcast voicemail line. Of course, appreciate everyone who hits me up on Twitter as well, at your boy Q254. Tomorrow we'll have more calls and texts. We'll have more news and notes, and we'll get into some more subject. Maybe we'll start taking a look at the draft. Maybe we'll start taking a look at some free agents or even some of the Raiders free agents. Uh, we got plenty to talk about. It is uh, the offseason, and uh, we're here to talk some Raiders ball. So until then, Raider Nation, as always, wash your hands, take care of yourselves, uh, wear your mask, social distance. Uh, like I said, most importantly, take care of yourself. But as always, just win, baby.